This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, a company that is perfectly named. Why? Because when you're wearing their shoes, you feel like you're walking around completely and totally barefoot. AKA, like you're not wearing any shoes. AKA, like you are wearing zero shoes. Now, we've all heard the benefits of barefoot training, but who wants to walk into a gym without any shoes on your feet? First of all, it's gross, and second of all, it's disgusting. Now, the other benefits of zero shoes is not only are they functional, but they're also fashionable. So, you've seen many a time people walk in the gym with these minimalist shoes and they look like a freak. Not with zero shoes. You're going to blend right in. Also, they have a wide toe box so that your toes are not all scrunched together in the front like they normally are with any standard training sneaker or cleat. Now, to get your shoes, go to zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. Again, that's zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. And that zero is spelt with an X. It is X-E-R-O. Again, I'll say it again. It's X-E-R-O. Get your zero shoes today. Welcome to the episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, I'm going to give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. Tip number one. It's an exercise tip. Add sprinting to your program. I'll say that again. Add sprinting to your program. Now look, that sounds simple, or maybe it doesn't make sense, right? Ah, I'm a swimmer. I'm a tennis player. I'm a power lifter. Why would I need to add sprinting to my program? I'll tell you why. It goes to tip number two. And it comes from Tony Holler. He said, speed is the tide that lifts all boats. Now, when somebody says something is the tide that lifts all boats, they mean it's the one thing that makes everything else around it better. Uh, imagine you know this person who comes to a party and they're the life of the party. And when they're there, the party just gets a lot better. That is the tide that lifts all boats. Or if you have unbelievable communication skills, like when Warren Buffett said, uh, that's the one thing, the best investment he ever made was going to Dale Carnegie's conferences on how to speak better and communicate better. That skill can make all your other skills better. Well, what Tony Holler was saying is speed is the skill that will make everything else for your team better. Speed is the thing that is going to make your football team better. It's going to make your basketball team better. It's going to make your soccer team better. Just by adding speed to every player on that team. And think about it. You have two players that can both catch a football the same way. They can both kick a football the same way. But if one's faster than the other, then everything's going to be better for that athlete. So why do we want to add sprinting? Well, not only because it's going to make your team better, but say that you're not on a team. Maybe you're just an old washed-up meathead trying to train for a tough man competition. Well, it's going to make you better at your seated sled pull. It's going to make you better at your prowler. It's going to make you better at your sliders because speed is a central nervous system enhancer. Yeah, think about that. As you are sprinting, you're swinging your arms, you are striking the ground, and at the same time you're doing that, the world is moving past you at a, fa- past you at a fast pace. Now your central nervous system is being completely and totally enhanced. By enhancing that, you're going to be better at everything else. In a weird way, that's why at Advanced Training, we opened up all of our sessions with jumping rope because we wanted to excite the central nervous system. And as I got older and wiser, we went from doing high volumes of jump rope to shorter durations as fast as you possibly can for the same exact reason. Now the only reason that jumping rope wouldn't be as good as sprinting is because the world isn't moving past you. Uh, You're kind of staying in the same places going up and down. But I'd say that... uh, it was a good, a good alternative, especially if you're inside in the, uh, in the cold weather or maybe there's a lot of snow. But again, add sprinting to your training. Okay, tip number three, something I am experimenting with. Now, before I get to this, something I'm experimenting with, I just want to say, hopefully, people are starting to pick up the message of experimentation. In, in a weird way, I think we're all scientists, right? And if you want to find a better way, you want to 
experiment. So maybe I'll, I'll skip to tip number four and come back to what I was experimenting on tip number three. Tip number four is something I've been listening to that's moved me, and it was a mastermind uh, class with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And the reason I love Neil deGrasse Tyson is not just because he's so smart, but because he's an awesome, awesome communicator. In fact, his communication is the tide that lifts all boats for him. Right? He's a very smart guy. I think he's some sort of astrophysicist. Uh, but his communication skills make him one of the best that I know of, one of the most world-renowned because he speaks so well. Anyway, he was talking about the scientific method. And what he said is, your job as a scientist is to constantly try to prove yourself wrong. Constantly, never, your never-ending quest is to try and prove yourself wrong. And either you prove yourself wrong and find a better way, or you prove yourself right and then add strength to the argument that you were right, again, by trying to figure out all the ways that you were wrong. So that was something that moved me. Great class. Love it. If you haven't done Masterclass yet, it's worth like the $15 a month investment. Uh, even if you only have a few of those classes you like, I've listened to a few over and over again. Anyway, I'm going to go back to number three, the thing I'm experimenting with, because I do believe in some way that my role is a scientist. In some way. Not on paper. I didn't go to school to be a scientist. I went to school to be a chemical engineer. But it's the same thing. I was just a scientist applying my, myself to the area of chemistry and math and putting it into a practical sense. Having said that, with respect to experimentation on the, on the field, what I'm experimenting with is trying to find out what way, what's the best way for me to have the quickest 10-yard sprint time. So to get from one, one place to another 10 yards apart, how do I do that the fastest? Now, one thing I kind of know, and I get to prove myself wrong, is that the slowest way to do that is probably start with my foot on the zero yard line and sprint to the 10. I think we've, we've been figuring that out, again, back in the scientific method. Could be wrong. But I did think prior to this, to what I'm about to tell you, that the best way to do that was to do a fly. What that means is you start maybe 30, 40 yards away, you start in a jog, and you gradually pick up speed until you hit that cone, and you sprint as fast as possible when you hit that cone. And what I've realized by using this timing system, this free lap, is that it's actually not the case. I thought it was, at least not for me. And either I was doing it wrong, because I, I did get a little faster. What was happening was I was doing my buildup, and then I was going to full speed when I, as soon as I hit that first cone. What I experimented with was maybe let me start a little earlier so that I was sprinting at full speed before I got to the first cone. And that took my time, my pathetic time, my 10-yard time from 1.35 seconds down to like 1.25 seconds. Cool. And if you're putting this in miles an hour, 1.35 seconds is like, I don't know, 15 miles an hour. 1.25 seconds is probably like 16 miles an hour. I'm making this up, but it's, it's, it's generally close. But then I said, okay, if I'm already at a full sprint there, let me experiment a little more. And then I moved back about 10 yards, 10 to 15 yards before the first cone. And what I did was I started just like a regular sprint, like a playground sprint, the old split and rip. So a split and rip is you put one foot on the line, and your legs are split apart. Say so I put my left leg on the line and my right leg back. I'm in like a, a traditional kid in the playground sprinter stance. My right arm is at my face. I'm going to rip that arm down, and I'm going to sprint forward. And I started about 10 to 15 yards in front of the first cone. So the full sprint duration was about 25 yards, but I was already in a 10 to 15 yards full sprint before I hit the first cone. And that brought my time down to like a 1.2, 1.18. 
And then I experimented a little more because I thought, ah, my left leg should be forward, right? That's how I, if I was going to do a layup, I'd jump off my left leg. I've always felt more comfortable driving off my left leg. I put my right leg forward, and I got it down to a 1.1, which is about a 18.6 miles an hour. Now, again, it's slow, but I'm creeping up on 45. I've never been fast. I was a, you know, short, slow, overweight middle linebacker in college. So for me, that's pretty good. And this experimentation really helped. It helped. I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to keep trying to prove myself wrong, but I want to find what my fastest method is to get top end speed. Because again, speed is the tide that lifts all boats. I want to be able to add that, get to that top end speed when I'm training, so it's going to make everything else better. So that is my experimentation. Uh, and I'll also add that in as that's really probably the weirdest thing that happened all week to me anyways to go from 1.35 to 1.10 and I'm thinking about how stupid it would have been if I would just have kept doing the fly over and over and over again just trying to make that better and then never getting the benefit of experimenting with a different start and some people they don't like to experiment oh man I got this could be like an anti-productivity tip I gotta just keep get, getting better at the thing that I'm doing and if I if I detract at all well then uh, I'm gonna slow down I'm gonna lose my progress I'm going off my program whatever but it, in certain cases you need time to step back and experiment and it may not seem productive at that moment but it is gonna be productive in the long run okay uh, can't remember what tip I'm at at this point so that was tip number six that I kinda slid in there we're gonna go Back, we're going to go backwards to the last one, tip number five. That's a productivity tip. I've said this before. I'll say this one again. But if, if you have to bring something with you somewhere the next day, the best thing to do is leave it at the front door. Not only is it a great idea because you won't forget it. Right? It's there. You can't walk past it. But it's also great because it doesn't take up space in your mind. Right? If you don't leave it there during the rest of the day and the night, you're thinking, oh, don't forget it, don't forget it, don't forget it. And I'm going to speak to that specifically to the weight belt, not the weight belt, the, the championship belt that we have at Advanced Training. So Brian Weintraub, he had the belt. Uh, his team won last week, and it, it, this thing, now we're getting into the, the training session that happened this week. So those are the six tips and tricks. I'm going to, I'm tabling that conversation right now. We're going to get into what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. And it, that last tip is going to link directly into what happened at this challenge. So, the team that wins, they get the belt. Great. It's a blessing and a curse, as we talked about last week. So, Joe Marechko had the belt for a bunch of different reasons. Joe was unable to train, attend this week's session. So, he drives to Brian Weintraub's work. He gives him the belt. Now, he has the burden, and so Weintraub does not forget it. He puts it at the front door of his house. Awesome. Weintraub listens to the podcast. He has the productivity tips ready to go. He sends me a picture to show me how prepared he is. And guess what? No, he didn't forget the belt. He actually brought the belt. But Weintraub shows up 15 minutes late to the workout. Typical advanced training fashion. You try and do everything right, and you just miss it by a little much. He thought the workout was at 6.45 a.m. It was 6.30 a.m., and now his team gets a, a penalty on the head-to-head challenge. So this week, we changed our workout session from a Saturday to a Sunday. I had something that I needed to do Friday night, and uh, I didn't feel like I was going to have enough time to wake up and get everything loaded into my truck, ready for the workout, and be energized enough to give these guys a good session that day, so I had moved it to a Sunday. Unfortunately, in our world, a lot of guys have busy Saturday nights or whatever, so out of the 21 guys in the program, only eight show up, one of which is Brian Weintraub, who shows up 15 minutes late. 
he's thinking he's on time, he's walking in like nothing happened, and sorry, Weintraub, you have automatically given your team a penalty on the tag team challenge. To make matters worse, there's only eight guys there. Only two of them are from Brian Weintraub's team. So six of them are from Bear Island. Only two of them are from Brian Weintraub's team. Brian Weintraub and Nick Carroll. So the way this thing works, I've said it before, I'll say it again, you got to keep reminding people, we have a workout, then we have a tag team challenge. The winner of that tag team challenge, all the people that competed on that team, they get three points. Then they pick from the losing team people to go head-to-head against each other. So if you're just connecting some of the dots here, you're going to see that if Weintraub's team loses, well, there's only two of them, and those two guys are going to have to go head-to-head. And again, in a typical advanced training fashion, as people, we have a group text, and guys have to, our kind of our rule is, if you're not going to make it, you've got to tell me eight hours before, otherwise your team's getting penalized. As guys just say, can't come, can't come, punching out. One guy commenting on people not coming is Fred Carpentieri. The guy writes, I can't come. He's like, whoa. Another guy writes, he can't come. Carpentieri comments, sheesh. He's commenting on everybody who's not coming. Well, as advanced training would have it, guess who also didn't show up? Fred Carpentieri. So he, he got another soft point, which tacked on more points to this tag team. So now, there's no way they're going to win. There's no way they're going to win. I, I said it last week, and I, had, I didn't want to say it ever again, but I'm saying it again on this week. I hate predicting when a team's going to lose, but I knew this team wasn't going to win. And why did I know? Because I wrote the challenge. I, I know the, what the challenge is going to be. So the challenge was, there's like a little quarter circle on the field. And there's six parts to this challenge. And luckily, Bear Island had six guys. So there's six parts to the challenge. Bear, Bear Island has six guys. Each one of them has to do one part. Carol and Weintraub are only two guys. There's six parts. There's two guys. Each of them have to do three parts each. And it's not as like simple or easy to do any one of these things. So I'll explain what the challenge was. It's a half circle. So person number one takes a prowler, and they push it around the half circle. When they clear the half circle, there's person number two who's on sliders who's going to slide directly straight back across, not around the half circle, but straight back across to where they started, and they're going to do about a 25-yard slider. When they cross the end line of that half circle, there's going to be somebody else waiting who's going to sprint back right around to where the person was with the sliders. Now, when they sprint back, that prowler is still going to be sitting there. The prowler that you originally pushed, it's going to be sitting right there. You have to push that prowler back to where it came from. Then someone is there, again, waiting with sliders. They're going to slide her back. And then someone else at the other end of that is going to sprint back from there. So it is prowler, slider, sprint, prowler, slider, sprint. That is six different segments. So Weintraub's team, they have the belt. So they get to choose who wants to go first or second. They choose for the other team to go first. Now, the reason we do some of this stuff... So we want the teams to strategize. Who's going to do what? Who's good at sliders? Who's good at the prowl? Who's good at the sprint? So Bear Island is great. they got six guys. They can put a guy in each spot. Everybody goes once, and they go. Uh, and to be honest, they, they, they end up going first. It, they don't really do that great. They don't break all... They they don't follow the rules. For whatever reason, Jimmy Yuski, who I believe is of uh, the highest of high intellects, and whatever reason, I'm sure he's going to say, well, you didn't explain it right, Coach, but I explained it perfectly. Uh... He decides that he's going to slider, not in a straight line, but around the arc of the quarter circle, right? Thank God, being the, the good man that I am, I correct him about 10 seconds into it. But I knew he was going to go the wrong way because I see him on the sliders as, uh, I think it was Ambarossi was doing the prowler first, and his sliders are facing in the wrong direction. <laughs> so I was like, what is this kid doing? Anyway, he goes the wrong way. And then I, I believe, like, Baraji 
was sprinting. He was too far wide. Yes. So the way you could have sprinted, as I demonstrated, was you sprint on the line of the circle. He was like outside the cone. So these guys lost like at least three seconds of time by doing the wrong thing. And maybe, just maybe, if the Weintraub Carroll team had six guys, they would have easily won. But they didn't. They only had two guys. And they got the penalty of Weintraub being late. And they got the penalty of Carroll being late. Sorry, uh, Carpenteri not showing up, right? So I hear them talking. I hear them strategizing. I'm thinking, how are these two guys going to do this? Because it is pretty exhausting to go with the prowler around one way. Now someone's got to go around with it the other way. How, how are they going to do this? So I hear them talking about it. All right, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. And they had, they had sequenced it where... One guy was going to push the prowler one way, the other guy was going to slide the other way, then the other guy was going to sprint, so they were kind of tag-teamed. It was one guy prowlers, one guy slides. One guy sprints, one guy prowlers, like back and forth, kind of like a volley, volleyball, right? One guy does this, one guy does that. So the, right before they're about to go, Carol's like, hey, before we go, can somebody uh, like flip the prowler around so we go high handles both ways? I think he said something like that. I was like, no. You can't. It's high handle one way, low handle the other. And it's like right before they go. So Carol's like, switch it up, Weintraub. You're better at the low handles than I am. Okay. <laughs> so they're about to switch it up. And then they, they, I think it's a critical mistake to switch it up seconds before they're about to go. Because what happens is, and this is critical to the story, is that while these guys are supposed to relay, you do one thing, I do the next. You do one thing, I do the next. For whatever reason. It turns into not only does Weintraub not do the low handle of the Prowlers, he does not do any handles of the Prowlers. For whatever reason, Nick Carroll has to do both the high handle and the low handle of the Prowler. <laughs> so they get smoked. They lose by almost about a 10 seconds, maybe more, including the penalties. They get smoked. They lose. But the worst part is not only do they lose, now they have to go head-to-head, and Carroll is completely and totally exhausted from having to do both sets of prowlers, and Weintraub did none. Now, people could think this is like the most clever of clever moves by Brian Weintraub. He is the 2022 Challenge Champ. And you don't just become the 2022 Challenge Champ by being the biggest, the strongest, and the fastest, and arguably Weintraub, he's a dude. He is big, he's strong, he's fast. But you could say he also get there by being smart. And maybe he's playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. And maybe when Carol said, uh, you take the low handles and I'll take the high handles, maybe Weintraub was saying, I'm not taking any handles, you're doing both. And I'm getting this W right afterwards. And maybe Weintraub made the other team go first so that Carol would have no time to recover after the loss. Right, they lose... Now, Carroll has no time to recover. He's shot, and he has no shot of winning the head-to-head challenge that has to come after this. Maybe you could say that. I'm not saying it. Maybe you could say that. But I know Brian Weintraub. And I know last year when he went head-to-head with the Shalasi, I think it was in the quarterfinals or the semifinals of the challenge, Shalasi, he wanted to die. And Shalasi was like a a top-four pick to win the whole thing. He, He was like, I can't do this. And Weintraub was like, you know what? I'll go first. I will go first, you relax, let me go first, even though he was supposed to go second head-to-head. So in this instance, Weintraub, he, again, he said, you know what, I'll go first. Because usually when, when the tag team wins, they pick not only who goes head-to-head in the challenge, but they also pick who goes first or second in the challenge. And they said, you guys pick. I was like, that's even worse. <laughs> this team's already kind of falling apart. They only had two guys show up. One guy got a soft point, uh, and now one guy's... 
indirect, I wouldn't say screw the other guy, but one guy had to do all the prowess and the other guy did none. This is really terrible. So Weintraub, he falls on the sword, being a good guy that he is, and he's like, I will go first. I will go first. I'll take this on because Carol shot. So Weintraub goes first. And what is, oh, well, by the way, what is the head-to-head -head drill? It's, we simplified it. It was supposed to be, I won't even tell you what it was supposed to be, but it wouldn't have been right. It wouldn't have been right for these guys to do. They just did that whole other thing by themselves, so we, we simplified it. You just did a sprint around that quarter circle. At the end of that sprint, the prowler was sitting there. You looped around that prowler and high-handled pushed it back right around that quarter circle. So that was it. And Weintraub, he just annihilates it because, again, he's fast, he's strong, he's fresh. He didn't do any prowlers <laughs> right before that, and he gets it in, like, 11.82 seconds. I think I threw a penalty of one second on because the front of the, the sled of his uh, – one of those sleds of the uh, the prowler went over the line, so it was 12.82. But Carroll shot. Like, he shot. So Carroll goes <laughs> – he gave it everything he had. He did. And to be honest, before this, the whole workout, Carroll is super optimistic that his team – is going to win. I don't know if he believed it, but at least he's telling everybody, yeah, there's only two of us. We're going to pull it out. And I don't tell these guys what the challenge is right until about until it's about to happen. They don't walk in knowing what it is. We finish the workout, and then I explain the challenge. Then I give them time to strategize. So the whole time, Carol's thinking, well, two of us for a six of you, we're going to win. So uh, he was pretty optimistic. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, so Carol goes, he shot, and he had no shot. He had no shot because he was shot, and he lost by about a second. So he hit about 13 seconds, so he lost. And officially now, Carroll is out. So Carroll now has two losses. Unfortunately, he had to go against two guys. Both of them are dudes. One of them is One of them is Weintraub. And in this instance, he was completely and totally shot. So, sorry, Carroll. Your watch has ended. Now you're officially eliminated. Brian Weintraub uh, continues to be undefeated. And again, people, the guy may be playing uh, chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Again, not many people have uh, challenge championships. He's got that big belt, ready to go. Took a picture of it. He's ready to go. He's on the Hall of Fame right now. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend. You guys never, ever disappoint. I don't care if there's eight guys or 80 guys. This advanced training group never, ever disappoints entertaining me. I'm sure entertaining each other. And I think it's going to be a, a big question. I don't know. I don't know if this causes a rift in whatever that team's name is. I have no idea. They don't have one. But uh, Bear Island, they didn't pull any moves like this. All right, people. Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye. This episode is brought to you by ProPulse Speed Trainers, created by the mad scientist himself, David Weck. Now, in my 20-plus years of evaluating athletes, there was always one thing, one thing that I could look at and tell you if this athlete was going to be sick or if they were going to be an R-coordinated mess. And I could tell you that in about five seconds. And what was it? It was the way their upper bodies moved in sync with their lower bodies. If they were in complete and total sync, I knew the athlete was going to be sick. And you've always heard, look at this guy's arm angles. Look at the way the violent arm action, the way this guy runs. Well, those were always the best athletes. Now, what David Weck did is he created these little miniature weights. They're about 12 ounces each that you can hold in your hand. And inside of those weights, he has these little beads. And when you run and when you move, when you're pumping those arms, when those weights are pumping those arms, you can actually hear with those beads if you are on the right rhythm. It's actually sending a signal to your brain to say, yep, I am in pace, I am in rhythm, and it will instantly get your upper body and lower body in sync. If you want to become like Michael Jordan, Randy Morse, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, watch these guys run, watch their sick arm angles, get yours today. Go to shop.weckmethod.com. That's shop, W-E-C-K, that's weckmethod.com. Put in the code WMA270. Again, that's WMA270. It will get you 10% off of any item that you buy. Go and get yours today.